Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it is beautiful. If you find you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red tell me more button, and start creating your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited about today's show as every one of our guests from this week has provided us with bonus material. This is what we call Follow Your Yes Friday. In the 20 years that I've been doing research and working with partners and, and, and relationships and men and women, one of the things that I've found missing in many partnerships is, well, we tend to forget or maybe we just neglect to follow our intuition or what I call our yes, that gut feeling that tells us, here's what your next step is. Instead, what happens is we we tend to be in our partnerships and we're operating solely from our head. We're analyzing everything. We're disregarding just what our gut's telling. Sometimes we do pay attention. We we recognize that yes, that, that instinct, and we start to follow it. But here's the trick. We tend to not really own it. We don't defend it. We don't we don't set our boundaries with conviction. And this results in us abandoning our yes. We ultimately end up proceeding in our partnerships based on somebody else's yes. They put theirs on the table and we just go, oh yeah, that's good. And we go with theirs. What we're going to look at today, I've asked every one of our guests about their yes. Not just when they followed their yes, but also when they haven't. What happened when they didn't follow their yes? They didn't follow that gut feeling that said, oh, this is what you need to do next, and instead went strictly off their intellect and their analyzer and said, nope, nope, that doesn't pencil. I'm going to keep on this path. We've got information from every single guest that you heard this week that's going to help you understand the power of following your yes. Now, here we go. Steve Ulsher, founder of LaCure.com and famous for helping corporations become exceptionally clear on their what shared a story of when he did follow his yes on an idea for a summit, then was able to watch the idea grow into something very, very special. Well, Steve, thank you again for an amazing interview. Great, great insights there. And I want to ask if you would help us in one more way. And and that is, would you share with us just some, some kind of personal stories about, you know, following your yes. We talk about it here a lot. You know, what is that guidance that we have that we can choose to follow or not follow? And I'd love it if you'd start by sharing a story of a time you did not follow that yes. Maybe in the moment, you didn't really Mm -hmm. realize you even had one. But you look back, you're like, okay, that was incredibly clear. And I did not pay any attention. Tell us about that time. Yeah. And, you know, having been an entrepreneur now for as long as I have, uh, needless to say, in our short period of time together, <laughs> there were there were other stories that I uh, wasn't able to get to. So I'm happy to share that now Great. Uh, in terms of one of those stories. Um, and one of those stories is, uh, well, at, as I shared in the interview, I've, I've done a lot in my career, including doing real estate development for mm, over a dozen years and having developed over 
$50 million in, uh, in property over that time period. And uh, so, so I did a lot in that space. And uh, there were, well, needless to say, there were a couple of uh, projects that uh, got caught up in that uh, real estate implosion because the years that I was doing it, uh, from 2000 to 2012-ish or so, uh, we went through that 2006, 2007, 08, 09 period where uh, things in real estate were not great by any stretch of the imagination. And um, and unfortunately, uh, I had my fair share of projects that got caught up in that, a couple that went back to the bank and a couple that we tried to work out with the bank and you know so on. Uh, and there was one particular project where uh, we were uh, unable to refinance the building for what had been owed on the building, right? Because when the values were in decline, uh, there were, well, a lot of properties that were underwater. And this was, this was one of those. And so the note came due. We were unable to refinance at a number uh, that was uh, at or near even uh, what the previous loan had been for on that property. And so it went into receivership because we were unable to pay off the loan, which was a requirement at that point when the loan came due. So when the note came due, we couldn't pay it off. So it ended up going into receivership. And during that time when we were supposedly uh, negotiating with the bank, and I say supposedly because I wasn't actively involved with it. I had left it to my counsel to handle that negotiation, to handle those discussions. And about a year or so, maybe 18 months or so into those supposed discussions, uh, I got a call from someone who had inquired about one of the parcels. So it was a multi-parcel property where basically there's parcel A, B, and C, but and those combined make up the whole development. Well, unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst to our lender, during the last refinancing, parcel C did not make it onto the loan documents. And so basically parcel C was completely unencumbered. And we were not aware of this. The lender obviously was not aware of this. And when we were made aware of it, I brought this to the attention of my attorney and said, hey, you know, somebody gave me a call and let me know that that parcel was unencumbered. And would you have an interest in selling it was a question to me. And I didn't know how to answer that because obviously I think it's part of this whole loan package, but it's unencumbered. And even though in my heart of hearts, I knew that. Um, you know, it was probably something that didn't make sense. I didn't know because I had never been in that circumstance before. Logic told me it probably didn't make sense. But my attorney, on the other hand, assured me that we could do it. And so we ended up doing exactly that, which was selling off that parcel for a whopping $100,000. And that piece uh, basically ended up triggering because we sold that piece and violated the terms of the loan agreement, which I did not know at the time, uh, that piece ended up the sale of that piece ended up triggering, uh, a, a, what's known as a bad boy clause, which caused a, a fully non recourse loan where I did not have personal liability to become a fully recourse loan where I now was responsible for the entire loan amount. And, I won't bore you with additional details on this, 
But needless to say, uh, the council was literally uh, doing this simply for their own personal gain and had said, look, we're going to, you know, there's a chance they might be mad about this and there's a chance we'll have to defend a lawsuit if it happens. So I'm going to keep $40,000 out of that $100,000 payment. And he knew darn well that they were not just going to be pissed, that it was going to trigger a whole number of dominoes. And needless to say, uh, that was one of those moments where uh, I should have uh, really listened more to my gut on that or sought other advice. Uh, And so by not listening to that, uh, it ended up literally triggering uh, a just a, an ugly series of events that included uh, them basically walking into court and getting everything that they wanted, meaning the lender, uh, because my counsel, who was supposedly defending me on this, uh, never showed up in court. And so they ended up getting uh, a multi, multi, multi-million dollar judgment against me personally Uh, And that ended up putting all of my assets into receivership and all of my accounts being frozen uh, when they were able to enforce that judgment uh, here in my home state of California. And uh, that was that was definitely one of those moments that, uh, you know, would definitely fall on the wrong side of the coin there and (laughs) live and learn. And uh, and eventually we were able to get it settled. But it was a very expensive lesson. Uh, but as I said during the interview, uh, I, I do believe that things do happen for a reason, not that God has a, a plan or, or fate, you know, is involved or anything of that nature for each one of us. Um, but I do think that we are meant to learn from what happens in our life. And so uh, it was uh, an expensive lesson, but um, finally got out from under that uh, not terribly long ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's a pretty clear example of where following that that gut that said this probably isn't the right thing to do would have saved you so much so much heartache and headache and finance and everything else so great great example so let's let's turn this around then take us to a time when you did have that yes and this time you did follow it what happened Mm -hmm. then well I think there's a, I mean, there's, there's countless examples of that, but just in the, in the business sense, one of, one of those moments that I'm I'm most proud of, uh, is being able to, to say yes to doing, uh, this event that I do called the new media summit, right. Which I mentioned, uh, during our interview, but you know, that, that was one of those things where, okay, this doesn't really exist in, in this space. Um, I don't know if it's going to fly. I don't really know if it's going to be a a success or if there's demand for this, or if I can get 40 of the world's leading podcasters to, to come to this and so on. Uh, and it took a lot of work of course, and took a lot of focus and energy and effort, uh, and resources. Uh, and mind you, uh, two days before, the uh, the first event that we did was when the uh, this the multi 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 million dollar judgment was actually handed down against me. <laughs> so that was uh, that was an interesting period of time. But nevertheless, I and I said yes to going through with it, 
Uh, and it turned out to be uh, an incredible event. And it's something that we'll do now uh, twice annually. Yeah, that's, again, such a great example when you're like, really? I just have all these things that aren't like absolutely worst thing that could have happened happen right before I do this next event. Yeah. Yeah. Literally two days before. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah, there you go. You, you don't know what you're doing, but you do it anyhow. And just taking those steps, each one of them says, yeah, do this. Yeah, do that. And next thing you know, you, I mean, from what I can tell, it's pretty much a, an, a one of a kind event. There, there's not like everybody's been doing these. So you put together something out of thin air. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had I had seen events that were somewhat similar in other industries, uh, but not in this particular landscape. So I knew that the model generally held merit, uh, but I didn't know if it held merit in this particular space. Nice. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing these stories with us, Steve. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, just really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to, to be on with you. Absolutely. Love having you. Alexis Meads, Harvard-educated dating coach and dating expert, shared a story of a time when she did not follow her yes by lowballing her self-worth while working for a company that was taking advantage of her. She later realized that enough was enough. So, Alexis, unbelievably wonderful interview. I loved everything you shared there. And I want to ask you a favor. If you would help us illustrate the, the importance of following your yes, following that internal guidance that we all have when it comes to having successful partnership. So would you share with us a time in your life when you didn't follow your yes? Maybe in the time in that moment, you didn't even realize you had one. But you look <laughs> back and you're like, dude, that was so clear. I My gut was telling me exactly what to do and I still didn't do it. Tell us mm -hmm. about that time. Yeah, so I'll actually share a work environment situation in this case. So when I had first moved to Portland, I was so I was freshly out of Harvard with my graduate degree, um, you know, big hopes and big dreams, and I was trying to find a job. And something that I have struggled with for most of my life has been my self worth. You know, even though on the outside it seems like oh she has it all together, um, you know, maybe my resume looks great, but internally I've just struggled with you know, how much am I really worth? Um, and I'm not just talking about financially, but just in general. And then when I was looking for a job, I had my bar kind of set so low. And I was basically like, ha would be happy with anything someone can give me. And that's fine. That's fine in some parts of our, our lives to work their way up. But I, I got interviewed with this one company, with this guy, and he was going to start me at a very low, like less than minimum wage kind of thing. I was practically working for free, hourly thing, because I had to prove myself and um, and maybe work my way up from there. And I started working there, and it was I was one of like two women. My boss had in the sustainability um, department happened to be a woman, but other than that, it was pretty much all men. Most of them were much older than me. They had worked there for many years. Um, and on a daily basis, I just dreaded going here. Like I felt like people were trying to cut me down at the knees, like literally throwing me under the bus for everything I did. Maybe they felt threatened by me and I'm trying to be, you know, friendly and open, um, <laughs> trying to like win them over. But rather than just like owning my value, owning my worth, you know, I totally bent over backwards. I'd be on call on weekends and my gut was like, this isn't right. Like you've got to leave. Like you're, you're worth more than getting treated this way. 
And I just wouldn't. I felt like, well, maybe there's nothing really better out there. Like, maybe this is what I deserve. Like, I should just work for a minimum wage because, yeah, you got to prove yourself and hopefully they'll bump me up to a salary, you know, in a year. And I ignored that for a long, for longer than I should. And I was, I was really miserable there for a while. Um, and kind of repeating the patterns outside of relationship of like not at all realizing my value and what I was worth and just hung on way longer than my intuition was telling me it was right to. That is a fabulous example. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, many of us have walked that path, but certainly in our romantic relationships, right? Yes. Yes. I'm basically getting minimum wage here and I'm worth more than that, but I'm putting up with it. Right. Settling for crumbs. Right. And we do. We, we stick around. We're like, oh, well, maybe this is better than nothing or maybe I need to earn it. Right. And all that comes back to just what you described so perfectly of not honoring your your worth. Yep. And going, oh, yeah, even though I know this isn't right for me, I'll stick around. Right. And that right. only happens exactly. if we doubt that we're worthy of something better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great example. So let's let's flip this around. Mm-hmm. Take us to a time in your life when you had a clear yes, and not only did you recognize it, but this time you followed it. Tell us that story. Sure. So something that comes to mind was when I was in a relationship um, prior to moving out to Portland um, for about a year or so, and I had just gone through, before I entered in this relationship, I had just gone through like sort of a rejection, I guess, of this guy that I was really into, I chased after him for the good part of a year. We sort of dated on and off and ultimately I felt rejected in the end. And, and after that, um, I had moved home to Philadelphia where I'm from and was completing up some things with my graduate degree there and enjoying some time with my family. And I thought, you know, I, I'm worth more than this past guy, right? Like I had at least that awareness. Um, and I remember my mom gave me a copy of the book. He's just not that into you. Mm. And um, so she gave me a copy of this book and a lot of it really resonated with me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do different things differently if I meet someone. And a lot of the advice worked. I met someone he would have, you know, on the outside in the form, as you mentioned, checked all the boxes. He was really into me. I felt like, yes, I'm actually doing things right this time. And we got into a relationship. But the, the right feelings, like you said, mm-hmm. weren't there. And I knew it. And again, I was hanging on to this for probably longer than I should have. And after I finished up my grad degree, I had plans to move to Hawaii for five months working in a reforestation center before kind of continuing on with my life here in Portland. And this guy had wanted to to marry me, essentially. He didn't fully propose, but he basically said, like, no, you have to stay here and move with me. Like, I'm ready to marry you if that's, you know, if that's what you need. And I felt really torn. You know, I was like, maybe I should just marry this guy. I mean, we've been together a year, like... He checks all the boxes, but there was something deeper inside me that just said no. Like it was just like, and I know this is a yes example, but just said, yes, like you have to follow your heart here. You're meant to go to Hawaii. You don't know why yet you're meant to go to Portland. And I just had this such a strong sense of that stronger than normal, but a strong sense of like something about this relationship isn't right. And I have to continue along with my path, with my plan that I can see so clearly. And that was a time that I said no to that relationship, but yes to what was right in my heart in terms of the next steps forward on my life's journey. And um, I'm so glad I did. So glad I did. Yeah, no, that's congratulations. And, and you're right. You know, sometimes the yes 
is a clear no. That's right. That's what that guidance is. It's like, this right. is not it. No matter what right. boxes they check, it's still not it. So, yep. yeah, it's it shows up in so many different ways. And what I loved about that was, you know, you're when you reflect back on it, you're like, all these other things wouldn't have happened. Exactly. Like the real yeah. price I can see now if I hadn't paid attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I had one dream when I was trying to make this decision. I can still remember having this dream with this man in it. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, he was, he was a good guy, but I had a dream with him in it. And it was like a dream fast forward to my life five years later. Mm. Had I stayed in that relationship, like I saw us married, I saw us having a kid and I saw things really bad. Like we were in screaming fights in my dream and I woke up and I was just like, oh my God, this, this isn't it. And I've said yes to my vision of moving to Hawaii. And from that, I met my husband. I have the most amazing son in the world now. So it's like, yeah, looking back on it, um, you know, just so glad that I listened to my gut there and the things in my life came about, including my coaching business because of it. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you for sharing these stories. Of course. Yeah, thank you. Thank you to all my guests for sharing their stories of the benefits of following their yes. And for you listening, I invite you to take what you just heard about the importance of following your yes and apply it to what you heard this week on the show. Chances are there was something that clicked for you when you were listening to our interviews this week. What I invite you to do is to implement it. It doesn't matter if it's changing a behavior or a belief you've been operating from Maybe it's looking into one of the resources or books that our guests recommended. Whatever your yes was from the material you heard from our guests this week, take it and act on it. And if you missed any of the interviews this week, simply go to speakingapartnership.com and enter the guest's name in the search bar. It'll take you directly to the recording of their interview. You can view their show notes and find all the links to the resources they mentioned. Follow Your Yes Friday is all about you taking the next two days and applying something that you learned on the show this week. Follow up on something that caught your attention, where you thought, man, this is good. This, this could really make a difference in my life. Whatever that yes was, this is your compass telling you this is your best path. So follow it. From all of us here at Speaking of Partnership, we invite you to take your yes and take action on it today. Peace. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. I release a brand new episode every Monday through Friday, so make sure you don't miss a single show. Go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web. Have a great day, and remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.